All right, so today I have the great honor of introducing someone who's very dear to my heart. And as much fun as we just had, she's going to bring that same level of fun this morning. She has a huge heart to see kids come to Jesus, probably the biggest heart out of anyone I've ever seen, and I love her dearly. So please stand to your feet and give a huge welcome to Miss Taylor Little. You guys do not have to stand up. Oh, boy. Thanks, guys. Hi, baby. I hear Riley. Hi, Aunt Tot. What's up? So I'm so excited. I was laughing really hard. I love, I loved it. Adam and Melissa, you guys did, did awesome. I love your little rants that you had. So this is our last week in um, our series called Identity. And this morning, I just want to talk about, we're going to talk about your identity as a parent. And I really want to shift that for you guys this morning. Um, so I was sitting at home and thinking, okay, what are some things that make up me, like Taylor Little, what are some things that I love that I feel like are a part of my identity? So we're going to do a little game. So starting off, I'm going to list some things. And if you love these things, if you love these things, I want you guys to give me a little holler, like a little woo-woo. You can chuck up some deuces, whatever. Okay. So if you love these, let me know because we can be best friends because I love these too. Okay. The first thing that I love is Fannie Mae Mint Chocolates. Yes. I feel like all the women, oh my goodness. Every Valentine's Day, true story, I'm not big on Valentine's Day, but my husband has to get me Fannie Mae mint chocolates, and it was 6 p.m. this year, and he still didn't get them, so he went to Washington at 6.30 p.m., and it was a fantastic time. Okay, the second thing that I love are mashed potatoes. I can eat them. Anyway, mashed potato lovers, loaded mashed potatoes, come on, holla, that's right. Okay, um, another thing is rodeos. I have a fun little video. I actually used to ride sheep. And that's not a sheep, that's a steer. I did both. It was a, yeah, that was this year. It's just fun stuff that I always did, but that's a little part of me. It's, it's a good time. Yeah, my butt hurt really bad after that. Okay, the next thing that I love to do is, oh, did I, oh I fell off, yeah. Um, the next thing I love to do is hiking. I love to go hiking. Does anyone love to go hiking? Adam and Melissa, come on. We go hiking. We travel everywhere with our friends, Phil and Becca. It's a blast. Um, the next thing this is a recent thing that I found that I actually love, and it's taking selfies with sharks. Um, there's my selfie. And we were in an aquarium, and Becca was like, oh, you should try it. And I did it for like 30 minutes, and I didn't stop. And it was, it's a really fun thing, because you got to catch it at the right time, and it's just fun. Okay, so <clears throat> I like the beach. Come on. <laughs> Christmas. Everyone loves Christmas. Um, a weird thing, I love cleaning, organizing, lists. I love lists. Okay, this one, Becca is actually going to hate. Um, I love this carnival ride. Okay, this one, does anyone, kids, do you guys know this ride? Yes, come on, okay. I'm not big on roller coasters or anything, but for whatever reason, I love this ride, and it's just, it's fun. And the last one is McAllister's Deli. Two words, sweet tea. Okay. Okay, so those are some things that just make up me, some things that I love, but all those things are, they're what? They're kind of like an outward appearance. Um, so I just wanted to share a few more things, but these are more of what make up who I am. Um, the first one is my husband. We actually just had our anniversary on Wednesday, four years. Okay, four years. Um, my family, my friends, I love them. They mean the world to me. Um, seeing my family come to know Jesus, we were able to baptize, help baptize our parents. I don't know if we have, I don't know if I put that picture up or not. 
um, one of my top memories. You guys, Kids 214, I, I don't think you guys will ever understand how much I love coming here. It's, it's not even a job for me. It's something that I just enjoy doing. Um, one of them, my second to last one is Kids with Special Needs. Um, I have a huge heart for that. And then the last one, okay. So David always talks about, we have a little girl, and her name is Ava. This is her. Everyone say, oh, oh, she's so cute. That's what I do in kids, too. So this picture, actually, I am convinced that dogs can, they read off of human emotions. This picture, I just want to share with you guys. This was after, actually, my grandma had passed, and I, like, didn't sleep that night. And I was sad, and she was sad with me. And it's just the cutest picture. And I, I love it, and I adore it. So David, every time he comes up, he's always talking about Ava, and he's throwing up pictures. So I decided I wanted to one-up him and bring her this morning. So everyone give a round of applause for our little puppy, Ava. Hey, hi. Do you want to give her a treat? She can do two tricks. She can sit. She's already sitting. Ava, shake. Shake. Oh, she's shaking. You can't see it. Good girl. So this is our puppy. Do you guys love dogs? Raise your hand if you love dogs. Yes. So afterwards, you guys can hang out with her and pet her. She's very friendly. She will lick your face off. Um, she doesn't bite. She, he lets her kiss him on the lips. It's kind of gross. Um, so afterwards, we can hang out with her. It'll be a blast. So everyone say, bye, Ava. Okay, bye, puppy. I love bye, Ava. Oh, I love it. She's getting some special session. Okay. So these are all the things that make up who I am. So I want you guys really quickly, um, kids, I want you guys just to close your eyes for one second. I want you to think of that one thing that makes up who you are. And I know we've done this, but whether you're a basketball player or you're a baseball player or Benny, you're a hockey player. And parents, I want you guys to think of that one word. Maybe you're a mom or you're a daughter, whatever it is. So on the count of three, I want you guys to yell it out, okay? You guys think of it? Kids in the back, can you guys think of it? You got your one word? Okay. We're going to yell it out on the count of three. One, two, three, go. Okay, that was good. I wish I, wish I knew what all those were, but I don't. So today, I want to change your perspective on your own identity as a parent. And I'm going to be speaking mostly to parents um, because all these things, yes, they're a part of me, but they're not who I am. Um, in the end, it's going to be me and who. Does anyone know? Who am I going to be in heaven with? Who am I going to see face-to-face, kids? Jesus, okay? It's going to be me and Jesus. And I just had this thought that, you know what? In the end, I want you guys to picture this. I want you to picture your kids because in the end, it's not going to be your kid and their mom and dad and Jesus. It's not going to be your kid and their mom. You're not going to be able to wipe away any of their wrongs. You're not going to be able to hold them accountable you're not going to be able to reason with God for the choices that they made or the things that they did. Because in the end, it's going to be them and Jesus, not them and you and Jesus. And ultimately, that is what's going to matter. So knowing this, shouldn't we just wholeheartedly want our kids to know and love Jesus? Okay. Oh, I'm sweating. So before I get started, let's pray because I just, I just need some prayer. Jesus, I just thank you so much for just this morning, God, that we can come here and do something like this, Lord. Um, I'm thankful for your church, for our church, Church 214, Lord, and um, I just pray this morning, God, that we can just reach these families in an impactful way, Lord, that you just um, give me the words to say this morning, Lord, and that these parents can leave feeling encouraged, Lord, but also knowing the urgency of what it means to to be a parent who loves Jesus and to teach your kids about you, Lord. Praise your name. Amen.
Okay, so I'm going to share a story with you guys, and this is like a recent story, and I was sharing this story with my parents the other day, and they had no clue. Okay, so women know this problem. Today, there's a thing called skinny jeans, okay? So people think by looking at me like, oh, she's a stick, she has no problems, okay? But what they don't realize is that I sit on the couch and eat like 10 bags of chips. Doesn't mean I'm healthy, okay? They look on the outside and they see like this person, but they don't know what I do throughout the day. So recently, I've had the problem, you know, okay, women, I feel like only women would know this. So you put your skinny jeans on and they're really tight at first, right? Okay, so you gotta do what I call the like stretch it out, like gotta fit in my jeans. Like, you guys all know what I'm talking about. And there are times when I'm just like, ugh, okay. And then I look in the mirror, cause you know I'm not about that life, like showing all my curves and stuff. And so, okay, so we're stretching and I'm like, okay, it looks good. Work it throughout the day. I get home and this is my new problem. Like, kid you not, it's for real. Okay, my new problem is I can't get out of my jeans, my ankles. I have like ankle chub. I don't know where David's at. Where is David? I don't know, but it's a real thing, I promise you. So lately, I'm like laying on the floor and David's pulling my jeans off my ankle and I'm like, pull harder, pull harder. And we can't, there was one night we couldn't get them off and I was like, what are we gonna do? And it's stressful and it's annoying and one day I literally took my skinny jeans and I chucked them in the garbage and it was awful. So that's my dilemma that I've had, um, ankle chub. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know. So I decided, it's getting hot. So I decided, okay, I have a problem. I'm going to do something about this problem. So a few weeks ago, I got on Google and I was like, don't worry, I didn't Google like how to lose ankle fat because that's weird. But I just, I was like, okay, I work from home and I was like, okay, I need to do like a simple workout. Okay. So there's this thing called a seven minute workout. I know there's always things for workouts, whatever. And it's just, it's fast, it's quick. You have like no rest time whatsoever. So for someone who hasn't worked out in probably a year and a half, it was awful, okay. I'm like, within the first minute, I mean, you have five seconds before you go to the next thing. And I'm up against the wall doing like wall squats. And I'm just like, I just felt the end was near. And I was like sliding down and it was awful. And my legs were burning and I was sweating. And I was like, oh my gosh, why is this so bad? And as funny as that is, in the moment, I just felt God say this. You have to start working your spiritual muscle before you can gain spiritual strength. And I thought, okay, what's that have to do with, like, skinny jeans and stuff? And I worked out. I finished my workout. And then I wrote that down because, you know, you have those moments where you just write those things down. And I just thought, man, as parents or even just as people, you know, you want to be someone who has it all together. We want to be this Christian that looks perfect and that knows all of these things, but people aren't even willing to, to put the work in. They see what's on the outside, but they're, they're not willing to work at it. And so many parents, they think that, man, I'm not capable of leading my kids because I don't know a lot. Well, are you putting in the work for your spiritual muscles so you can have strength? It's not easy. It takes work. And the biggest thing is I have a lot of parents, and this has been a recent thing, a lot of parents say, you know what, I don't know how to explain this to my kid or this to my kid. And so I love explaining things to kids. It's like my favorite thing. A recent thing, um, I've had a lot of parents come and say, how do you explain heaven and hell to my kids? And they go even further and they'll say, you know, I don't want my kids to be scared of hell. Well, let me pause you there. Darn right, it's scary. Like, it's, it's a scary thing. And the biggest thing is, you know what? 
to tell your kids the truth. And I know for that specific thing, it's hard for kids to wrap their mind. Like, what does heaven look like? What does hell look like? And I just want to share a story with you. This was, I don't know, a few months ago after we had had my grandma pass and my grandpa pass. And Riley's over there. And Riley and Liam were in the back seat. And Riley asked a lot of questions about heaven. And Liam said, Tot, that's what he calls me, what does hell look like? And I said, I just kept it really simple. I said, you know what? We're talking about all the good things that are in heaven. I said, well, buddy, have you seen a lake? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, hell is like a lake, but it's really hot. It's not fun. And we just kept it positive, and they understood it. Any questions that he had, he asked me. And I think one of the biggest things that we do is in how we speak to our kids, we talk to them down here when their understanding is way up here. I promise you, your kids are smart, and so many people are afraid to to talk to them about the Bible because they don't understand it themselves. And if we just talk to them normally, if we read it, and if they have questions, they will ask you. And I love that about kids, okay? The biggest advice that I would ever give is to not sugarcoat the Bible. It is real. There are some things that can be uncomfortable. Hello, circumcision. Sorry, parents, because that's going to be fun later. Okay, but don't talk down to them. Be real, okay? One of the biggest things, and obviously we we had a lot of fun, and kids, you guys will each get a ball to take home later because I'm not coming home with these. So um, one of the biggest things is parents come in, and they, they leave not knowing how to take the Sunday into the rest of their week, which is a normal thing, okay? Um, I want you guys to realize something. This one ball, this, ooh, that, wow, this one ball is the time that I have with them. They're here for an hour, and as much as I would love to be at your guys' house every day or every, you know, every couple of weeks, I would love that, but this is what I have with them, this one ball, okay? You can't leave it up to us And as much as it does take a village, you're the leader of your own village. Okay, so this is what I have compared to this is what you have with your kids. Now, don't you think that the time over here is more important? Well, it's just as important, but you guys have more time with them than this one hour a week that I get with them. So we're here today to talk about what to do with all of this. It's going to be great. One of the... um, there's only, there's very few stories of when Jesus was a kid in the Bible. Very few. One of my favorite ones is, it's in Luke, and um, Jesus' parents couldn't find Jesus for three days, which, hello, that's a terrifying and scary thing. So they're looking, and they go back for him, and they can't find him everywhere. And where was Jesus? He was in the temple. And Jesus just kind of looked at him and said, what? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Get your kids to church. Obviously, all of you guys here are doing a fantastic job, but know that just because you get them here, that's not enough. That's not enough for their relationship. Um, That's not enough to last them throughout the week. So going back to reading your Bible, more than often, kids are a reflection of yourself, right? You see your kids. They repeat what you say. They do the things that you do. And I know that sometimes it can be overwhelming, but even just to start simple, you know, in our toddlers, I know for toddlers, that can be a really hard age. How many of you guys have toddlers in here? Do we have, we have quite a few toddlers back there. It's a, it's a blast. Um, even just taking that simple Bible that they have and opening it up and reading one page a day, one story a day, it's literally that simple for you guys. Okay, so we're talking about reading. Now, I, we have a little giveaway today. Who likes giveaways? <gasps> Free stuff. I mean, come on. Okay. 
So I want you guys right now, um, there's going to be four people that are going to win. Um, Rochelle, can you hold up the Bible? I think she's back there. We have these Bibles that are called Action Bibles. Um, they are Bibles that are really great for kids. They have, like, comic pages. They have, it's, it's, I would recommend it. It's so fun. So if you guys can all look underneath your chair, if you won, there'll be a thing that says winner. There's four of them. So we're just going to pass those out now if you guys won. Um, once you won, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you guys won. If you haven't won, if we don't have a lot, go and find them. Look around all the chairs. Kids, run around. Run around. Try and look for them. Look under the seats. There's four. We have one. We have one given away. Oh, okay. Who is that? I can't even see. Oh, Dalton. If you guys don't have kids, feel free to give it to another family. Um, or if you already have one. Hi. Can you go back to Rochelle? She's right back there. Oh, Brooklyn 101. That's fun. Okay. That was fun. Oh, wait a second. You're searching one for your sister. Oh, they're so fun. I think, are they giving away, Rochelle? Okay. I think they're all done. That's awesome. Okay. So going back, if you want your kids to be strong in your faith, you have to start working your spiritual muscle before you gain spiritual strength. Okay, why is it important? This got to me. Why is it important to help train our kids, to help raise them? We're going to throw a statistic up here, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. 63% of people accept Jesus between the ages of 4 to 14. At this age, their brains are the most moldable under the age of 18. This time that you have with them is literally precious, and there's no time like the present to be shepherding their little hearts. And it goes on 34%, I think between 15, yeah, to 29, and it drops down above 30 to 2%. To me, I look at that, and I say, you know what? That is, it's a scary thing, um, but it's also a humbling thing to know that, that we get to do that, that you guys get to do that, and that is why it's so important. Um, so I'm going to have someone come up here today. Him and his mom, he's peeking over. I love it. They're going to share a story. They, this is, I don't know if any of you guys know um, Callie and LD, and they have two sons, but one of them is Parker. He's coming up. He specifically um, wore his bow tie today. He wanted to look great, so let's give it up for Parker. So he's a kid who can pray, and I'm just going to have Callie share their story. Um, Parker, can you can you say your name? And let's give us maybe what's your favorite animal? Do you have a favorite animal? A cheetah. A cheetah. I love it. Okay. So, Callie, do you want to explain this story? And then you can ask Parker questions as you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's quite a few of you that actually know this story. My husband, LD, who is the reason we have sound in here. <laughs> um, but uh, the, probably a year and a half ago now, can you come stand by me and tell the story? About a year and a half ago, um, he was a restaurant manager. And that job um, blessed us in the beginning when we were new parents. And that job then took him away. Do you remember where it took him away to? What was the name? One time in Indiana. Well, hold on. We're not there yet. Hold on. Indiana. 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 And um, so that job took him to Indiana. And he moved there while I was pregnant with our second child. And he lived there five days a week and came home for two. I also work full time as a teacher. 
so for us, it was an incredibly stressful time. And about the time that we all figured out that that job in Indiana had served its purpose, um, Parker had also figured it out. And so what we knew that daddy needed a new job, right? Okay, hold on. <laughs> we knew that daddy needed a new job, so what did we do? I pray. Prayed. How often did we pray? A lot. A lot. A lot. So every night we prayed, and this was about the time between two and three is how old he was. And we prayed so much. And February of last year, I just remember this for whatever reason, but February of last year, I um, sat down with him to pray while daddy was living in Indiana. And I said, um, buddy, we need to pray for daddy to get a new job. And he said, no, we don't, mommy. <laughs> he said, no, we don't, mommy. And up to this point, we had had several leads for a new job for him that had fallen through. They were, um, <laughs> I'm going to let you talk, I promise. So we were kind of losing some hope in that. But when I said, Parker, we need to pray, and you said, no, we don't, Mommy. Why didn't we need to pray? Because he already had it. He already had a job? How did you know? <laughs> Remember? What did you tell me? <laughs> You're not shy. What did you tell me? Not shy. <laughs> Remember, who told you that Daddy already had a job? Jesus. 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 <laughs> he looked at me um, a little over three years old, and or a little over two years old. Two, three, okay. Well, you're four now. All right. And let me know that Jesus had told him that daddy had a new job. And I was like, uh, okay. Well, does daddy know that? He said, no, not yet. <laughs> so, do you want to hold it for me? So, I continued to pray even though he said he said it was done but um April will you correct me April in April we got word that he would get a brand new job that moved him home in a completely different field what does he do now uh, a project manager for who where does he work I always said to remember project manager <laughs> say it again no. And so he got a job as a project manager for One Fire Media, which is totally in his wheelhouse by hobby. I love it. That's awesome. Good job, Parker. You did awesome. I just love that story. You guys are, you guys are an amazing example. So you guys can give them one round of applause. Oh, thanks, buddy. Thanks for coming up. So Callie told me that story that she prayed, and Parker just said, no, he's already got a job. God told him, and I just thought that was so awesome and such an example. So we're just going to hammer through. I have some things. Okay, so how can we do this? How can we help equip our kids' faith? We're going to hammer through these. Okay, first one is be transparent about your faith. That means pray in front of them. Read in front of them. Read the Bible with them. Share your faith with your kids. That is the biggest thing that you guys can do because what they see, they're going to reflect, okay? Number two is realize that your family is your ministry. And I know that this can be hard sometimes, but realizing that you have to prioritize your family over other people sometimes. Because when people look at your family, are they going to see Jesus? You are an example. That is the best ministry that you can ever have. The third one, and I am so passionate about this, 
protect them. What do we have to protect them for? We live in a world where there are bad visuals everywhere. Everywhere you look, TV shows, music, friends, movies, cyberbullying is a new thing. I just want to read some, some, I can't even say that word, statistics. It's a tongue twister. Um, recently that I read that just really shocked me. Okay, a new study in the journal of Pediatrics said that an average eight-year-old, get this, spends eight hours a day on media. That's phones, that's TVs, that's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, okay? Kids, how many of you guys have a phone? Do any of you guys? I think you guys are pretty good. Yeah, some kids have phones. Okay, so that's eight hours. A teenager typically spends more than 11 hours a day on media. In 2011, 36% of teens had a smartphone. In 2014, that grew to 79%. 13- to 17-year-olds spend an average. I don't know how this is possible. I despise, like, like texting for the fun of it. It's bad. 3,300 texts per month for 13- to 17-year-olds, and you're wondering what you have to protect them from. Nearly 43% of kids have been bullied online. One in four say that it happened more than once. Only one in 10 kids actually report bullying. More than 58% of kids surveyed report having seen a, I will, a not-so-nice site, okay? 58% of kids, 50% of teens frequently communicate online with someone they've never even met. And that's a problem to me. When this is becoming more important than this, that's a problem. And the, the sad thing is, is that's the world that we live in today. We're full of communication, and even parents most parents are stuck on this. They're stuck Instagramming pictures of their kids when they, which there's nothing wrong with Instagram. All right, pictures are cute. I'll probably like them on Instagram. But there's nothing wrong with it. But they're so focused on, oh, got to get, go, get a good picture, got to get a good picture, rather than reading their wor- the, God's word most of the time. And that's the world that we live in, and that's a problem. You have to protect them, protect what they're seeing and what they're doing. Number four, be willing to answer the hard questions. And this kind of goes before, you know, kids will ask you questions, and the big kicker is you might not know the answer, and the even bigger kicker is most of the times your kids don't care. They don't care if you say, you know what, buddy, I don't know that. Let me look that up. Let me check that out in the Bible. You can figure it out together. All the more merrier. And you know what? I have a kid in kids' church. He proves me wrong all the time because he's really, really smart. Really smart. Like, I have so many stories. Houston. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, it's literally happened a few times, and it's, it's great. Okay, um, number five is speak. I am so passionate about this one. What are you speaking over your kids? And the even bigger thing is, is in your worst moments, what are you speaking over your kids? Because in their worst moment, that's what they're going to be speaking over other people. Because I know I've seen some parents, um, and I understand, you know, I'm not a mom yet. I get that, but please know that these things are just coming from my heart. What we speak over the kids is what they're going to become. If we become, if we say, you know what, that was a dumb thing to do. Dumb is going to be in their vocabulary. They're going to use it every day. They, they're watching you, and they're listening. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Your words can destroy them or literally help lift them up. I think of a few things that people have said to me that literally tore me down. Here's some big ones. Do you even eat food? Yes, I eat food. I need to survive, people. Okay. Do you even eat food? You're a stick. Yes, I know. Preaching and kids, that's not our real future. 
or you're not preaching the right way, try it like this. These are things that got to me, and I think, you know what, if I'm a 25-year-old adult and those things got to me, don't you think that the things that you say to your kids would get them even more? And the fact that their brains are most moldable under the age of 18, that really affects them. So I'm going to do this. Kids, how many of you guys have um, somebody said something to you that has hurt your feelings? Can you guys raise your hand? I'm raising my hand. What about this? Has kids, have any of you guys have, have had an adult say something to you that maybe hurt your feelings? Not necessarily your mom or dad, maybe a teacher. Yeah, it happens. It's a real thing. So speak positive words over your kids. The last one, sorry, the last one, is talk. Taking time to talk to your kids. I saw this video that, oh my goodness, it blew me away. These parents came to the table, they videotaped it, and they all sat down, and they were asked one question. They were asked, if you could have dinner with anyone in the world, anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would you have? So the adults answered. Like one of them said Justin Bieber and all these other people. They were all famous people, the adults said. Every single person was famous. So they said, okay, cool. Their kids came up. They were asked the same question. They said, if you could have any dinner with anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would it be? Every single kid said their mom or dad or somebody in their family. And that touched me. Your kids don't want to have dinner with someone famous. They want to have dinner with you guys. And I even asked Riley that. She's over there. I, I want to test it out. I said, Riley, who would you have dinner with? Anyone in the world. And she said, my mommy, my daddy, Nana, Pop, and me. And she went through all these people, and that just touched my heart. And so I started looking up um, what having a family dinner means to, means to kids and they said this, they said kids who eat dinner with their parents have less stress and a better relationship with them. Teens who dine regularly with their parents have a more positive view on their future. Family dinners lower rates of depression or suicidal thoughts in teens. And kids are twice as likely to get A's in school if they eat with their parents. That alone, I mean, come on, like get some A's in school, let's go. Okay, so that's good. So when you guys leave, I wanted to explain these. You guys are going to get table talk questions made these for you guys. Um, they're kid-friendly. They're, some of them were fun. Some of them were like, if you're on Noah's Ark, what animal would you play with? Like, that's fun. Um, but some of them are, are more intentional, and I love them. So our goal for these is for you guys, for each family to take one home. You don't have to do them every day. You can do one a week, but do it, because that time with your kids, it means something. Last one, number seven, is don't just see your kids as kids, because someday they will be adults, Someday they will be held, held accountable for their actions. And someday they will be in front of the feet of Jesus. So as I get ready to close today, I just want to share a story with you guys. And I debated sharing this. <laughs> I asked my husband. I had to practice it ten times so I wouldn't cry. Because every time I'm up here, I cry. And I'm like, ah, okay. So recently, it was about um, three weeks ago, I we just had a really, really rough day. I had left a, um, just a doctor's appointment, and I was in a parking lot, and I've never in my life had panic attack. I would assume that's what it was. I don't know. I was sitting in my Jeep, and I couldn't leave the parking lot for 25 minutes. wasn't breathing, and I called my mom, and it was, I'm sure I was a hot mess. She's like, what are you saying? I was like, I don't know. So I was sitting in my car, and it was just, we left and felt discouraged, and in that moment, I wanted one thing, and all I wanted in that moment was my kid. 
that we lost a few months ago and gathered myself together. I was driving home and it was just an awful appointment. And we got home and I told David, and I've never said this before, and please take it. I, I wasn't a suicidal thought or anything like that, but David came home and he hugged me and I just said, I didn't want to be here. All I wanted in that moment was to be in heaven. And I thought, why is that? And it's an unexplainable feeling when you lose a kid. Um, and I know people have it worse. Some people have birthed their children and lost them, and my heart aches for that. Um, all I wanted was to be with my kid and to hug my kid. And I just thought, you know what? I know that that's probably how every parent feels. They want what's best for their children. They want to hug them and love them. And I'm, it puts an ache in my heart because you should have that drive for your kids to come and know Jesus because if you want to truly be with them forever, then you need to share Jesus with them. It's so important. It is such an urgency because when they get to heaven, when they get at the feet of Jesus, you want Jesus to say to them, well done, my good and faithful servant. And right now you have that capability and you have that calling that God has put in your life to help lead them to be with Jesus for eternity and to be with you for eternity. So we're going to pray. And my prayer for you guys this morning is that you go home feeling encouraged, but also feeling the importance of what it means to truly love your kids, a godly love, and to share that with them. So let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you so much for each and every family in this room this morning, God, that we can come here and learn about you, Jesus, but I just pray that you put an urgency in every family's heart, God, to help them help love their kids, to help them help share Jesus with their kids, for them to know that even if they don't have the answers, that it is okay, God, and that they are an example of you to their children, Lord, and that they understand that it's so important, God. And my prayer is that every kid this morning in this room, when they meet the feet of Jesus, Lord, that you will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Pray this in your name. Amen.